Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think of Harvard Law? Because you're, you're a Penn Law grad. Harvard Law is impressive. Morons. <laughs> Man of the Year! Man of the Year! Man of the Year! Man of the year. Welcome to the number one friendship podcast in the country. I'm Aaron Cairo. I'm Matt Ritter. So Matt, this week we were sent uh, the same article more times than ever in the history of the podcast. So we have to do a podcast about it. And this was the Harvard study of adult development. I love that people send us stuff, by the way. So I don't want yes. it to sound like, please send us this stuff. Yeah. Because you send it. We talk about it. It was on NPR. It was in the Atlantic. And by the way, when you when we say send it, you send it. Then Matt sends me a DM in the middle of the night, and then I add it to the mailing list to the list. I usually send it. I think is it middle of the night or like early morning. I mean, I'm up early, but I go to bed early. Okay. I wake up and I have seven just like yeah, yeah, yeah. random texts from you, just being like LinkedIn. Yeah. Li oh yeah. You, I sent it on LinkedIn. Yeah. You send me link. Don't send me LinkedIn messages. <laughs> Don't send me LinkedIn messages. I got into comedy, so I wouldn't have to be on LinkedIn. I know. We got to get off LinkedIn. But LinkedIn seems like there's like... Although we get a lot, we have a lot of followers from LinkedIn. There seems like a lot of engagement on LinkedIn. Yeah, they love us on LinkedIn. Like I, I see you post some thirsty shit. Yeah, they love us on LinkedIn. People are like... People are, people are thirsty on LinkedIn. Great job, Matt. Shut the fuck up. Get over yourself. No, no, don't get over yourself. We love you LinkedIners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this study is absolutely incredible, okay? It's been going for 85 years, I think since 1938. They started with 724 men, and they've been tracking them, their male and female descendants, for three generations. So 1,300 people over 85 years. It's the longest longitudinal study of human life ever done. It's pretty cool. And the authors just recently put out some of their most recent results, and it was mind-blowing. The number one factor for longevity in life healthiness and happiness. It's not cholesterol. It's not exercise. It's not career achievement. 
It's relationships. Relationships. And so basically the authors of the study are like the number one thing you could do is listen to Kiro and Matt's podcast. Listen to Man of the Year podcast. Listen to Man of the Year podcast. I mean, have you ever felt more validated in your entire life? I don't want to say I feel seen, but I feel real seen. Oh my, I feel that the entire world has lifted us up on their shoulders. (laughs) Like at the end of, uh, of, of um, Game of Thrones, when Khaleesi gets lifted up on all their shoulders in the end of season one or two or whatever it was. That's Got what it. I feel like. Even, even in Game of Thrones, one of those popular TV shows of all time, you still pick the most obscure No, no, it was, a very, it, was, it was not now, obscure. What do you think, just first of all, about the study? They've been tracking these people since 1938. I want to know how much like, changed in terms of like, the questions they ask and like, because life in 1938, you'd think, is very different from 2023. Well, I'm sure they were like, so how often do you visit the nephrologist? <laughs> Who's the person who does the head drilling? The, uh, the uh, phrenologist. Phrenologist, phrenologist. What's a nephrologist? Nephrologist, I think, is a real, it's like a real. No, I think it's a, I think you're thinking nerfologist. No. That's somebody who's studied, who's got the longest nerf throw. <laughs> the longest nerf throw, okay. <laughs> phrenologist. Yes. This a, is- a bunk science. Phrenology is when they drilled your head in the yeah, blood. Yeah, yeah. They measured no, 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 no. your size of your head. We're talking about two different things. Okay. There's one thing where they, they shape your head. Yeah, that was phrenology. And then there's one where they drill into your head and get blood out, and blood comes out. That, bloodletting. Bloodletting. Yeah, that, no, that was, that was what doctors did back then. Yes. I mean, even lobotomies, that's what they did. They drilled a hole in your head yeah. and took a piece out and said, she's going to be a better girl now. <laughs> <laughs> she's going to be a good girl now. Uh, what do you think about the fact that the original members, it was, it was half Harvard students, half white male Harvard students, and half sort of more low income. I think they were mm. trying to figure the difference. Right. Now it's all mishmash. Yeah. But like, kind of interesting, they took some Harvard. You spent a summer at Harvard. Summer. I yeah. had a summer there. Summer camp at Harvard. Don't put it on my res. Yeah. Put it on the resume. Harvard summer program. What, do you, th- the res. what do you think about just like, when someone says they went to Harvard, like what's your... I mean, my brother-in-law went to Harvard. Some of our friends went to Harvard. Um, I, think, I don't think it carries the same cachet it used to. Interesting. Yeah. Less cachet. Less. I wonder if that, I've heard anecdotally from some Harvard people that like, it's actually kind of like a burden. Mm. I mean, the scale of burdens, it's not a hybrid. Like, because like your classmate is Zuckerberg. I think it's also like when, when you say it, no matter how you say it. Right. The response is automatically like, go, go fuck yourself. <laughs> right. You, can, you can't you, say. Yeah. You could have worked your fucking ass right. off. And you could be the most humble person yeah. on earth. And somebody goes, where'd you go to college? And you go, you can have your head down. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, you know, I, shoulders slumped. I went to Harvard. And you're like, oh, oh, oh fancy hey, boy. I'm sorry. Oh, hey. okay. Oh, well, I guess I should bow down before <laughs> you. What do you think about people who do the thing of like, oh, I went to school in Boston? Like that's, that's worse. Worst. That's worse. worse. By the way, that's worse because they already know yeah. that they're, they're like, well, they're either doing two things. They're either actually fishing for you to say, oh, did you go to Harvard? Yeah. Or they're pretending that like they don't know, that you don't, that you don't right, know, right. that they don't know, that you don't know, that they're playing that game. So I think the move is, I ask you where you went to school. You said Boston. And I go, oh, Harvard. You go, no, actually Boston College. You know, like. Say it even if you didn't go to Harvard. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I went to Suffolk. Right. Right, right, right. <laughs> Suffolk people should go. Remember my old bit? I was like, I, with the kid, I, 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 I always wish I had a lisp because there was that kid. Oh, yeah. We I went to Harvard. Yeah. We had this kid that was our counselor at a camp, and 
people would ask him where he's going to school in the fall. And he would go, Harvard. Yeah. And we were like, this kid, I thought he got like a 960 on his SATs. Turned out he was going to Hartford. Yeah, he goes, Hartford. 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 Great use, great use of a lisp. And since you have a very, you know, elitist view of education and higher oh, education. Wow. No, no, Coming they, in hot. No, not really. Not really. This is actually not as bad. Yeah. What do you think of Harvard Law? Because you're, you're a Penn Law grad. Harvard Law is impressive. Morons. <laughs> no, really? Yeah. Uh, well, listen, I also you don't want to get myself in trouble here, but I will say I will take a Fordham law grad who's top of his class than a middling Harvard person. I, I would take a, a woman who graduated near the top of her class at Loyola over a Harvard law grad. And does that, is that a specifically a law school thing or that's for undergrad anything too? I just think I, listen, I'm more of a, I'm not an elite. It's a more of a, I think people who worked Populist. hard and came from you know, kind of had to earn it and like not getting by on the title of their school or whatever. I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm off. I'm off that stuff. The dirty truth is that once you get into one of these schools, undergrad, you're applying when you're 70, once you get in, you can just fucking skate right. by and right. just say whatever. And that's the other thing. Everybody who gets a B, right. They give out like the grade curve at all yeah. these schools, including my own alma mater at Penn. It's like, Everybody gets a B, B plus, A minus, and they all get jobs and they all kind of have this mental security going in. I want the rough rider, you know? Right. I want somebody who had to grizzled night school yeah. vet who had to earn it. So yeah. But also Harvard, Harvard law people are morons. <laughs> so Producer anyway. Has a follow-up question. Yeah. Did you go to Dartmouth? My I'm wearing a Dartmouth hat. If uh, you can watch this podcast on YouTube, by the way, I'm wearing a Dartmouth hat in honor of my sister who went to Dartmouth. The lowest. It's like a, it's like a Easy, Ivy adjacent. Brother. Ivy adjacent. Oh, we we're gonna get it. People who went to. First of all, my sister is gonna be fucking yeah. pissed. Listen, if you really want to rank the Ivies, it's Yale, Harvard. Do you count any of the West Coast ones or just the pure? The Ivies? I, I mean, Yale, Harvard, Princeton. Yeah, Penn. Penn. And then everything else is kind of like no, third then, tier. then stuff and then Cornell at the very Yeah, bottom. Cornell. Yeah, No, yeah. but I, listen, I rank Cornell above the Dartmouths and Browns. No, no, Dartmouth world. is a great Isn't school. Isn't that where you go and you just like, they give you a pack of crayons and they go, you're brilliant. <laughs> I, Karen, I love you. I respect you. I visited Dartmouth many times. It's a beautiful place. And no, I disagree. Everybody hard. gets a crayon and a coloring And book. you're thinking of Brown. They're the same. Both of them. I'm convinced you walk in and they go, here's your blank coloring book, everybody. Come back in four years with your thoughts. You know, silently when I sat down to record today, <laughs> I thought, you know what? We're going to not be elitist in this episode. We're not. I said I'd rather have a Fordham grad. I'd rather have a Loyola grad. I'd rather have a Nassau community night school student than somebody from Dartmouth. Ooh, shots. <sighs> Fired. My sister is not going to like this. No, listen, we, we, we love you, Karen. We're joking. I'm going to get mail. I'm going to get mail yeah. from her. Anyway, so the study, which yeah. we've gone way off track. We still respect the study because it tells us that relationships are important, but I would have preferred that it was from Penn. Yeah. Uh, or, or a scrappy school. Yeah. Um, but basically, I mean, incredibly, like for longevity, for physical health or mental health, all signs point to warm relationships. Now, it could be romantic, could be friendship, but like basically, like, what do you think about that result? Like that's kind of mind blowing for us. So I always thought for me, just as my, as a non Harvard study, it's the Matt Ritter study. Mm -hmm. I always thought happiness was a combination. By the way, did you apply to Harvard? Yeah. Oh! Oh! 
What the fuck? You're such a fucking poser. It's dude. all sour grapes. You're such a fucking poser. It's all sour grapes. Oh my god. Unbelievable. Keep this in. Uh, I thought the summer program would have. I thought, you know, I thought that had some clout. Because you know, went, some people think nepotism is clout. It's like, but I went to your summer school. You went to their unaffiliated <laughs> summer camp for fucking. I went to a Boston certification program. Oh, God. I, can't, I love. <laughs> what do you think about the, the certificates? Like, you know, the, the weekend Harvard certificate things. Oh, well, sometimes when you see on LinkedIn, yeah, yeah, yeah. it says Stanford. I'm like, wow. You yeah. look, two day. <laughs> a weekend. Yeah. A weekend silent retreat yeah. at Stanford. Uh. <laughs> I can't believe you're such a poser. That's me. That's you're me. You're a poser. You're fucking. I did the Harvard. I did the Harvard swim class. Anyway, I was a lifeguard. Uh, what were we talking about? Uh, what do you think of the results of this study? Oh, <laughs> so for me, I always thought happiness was kind of a combination of a couple of pillars. One is like finding purpose in life, mm-hmm. and whether that be work or whatever, finding meaning. Mm-hmm. In life, whether that's, you know, internal c- kind of, you know, self-reflection or whatnot. But I always thought the third pillar was relationships. And I think that's, you know, finding a significant other, but also what we talked about, just that circle of friends beyond your significant other. I always thought to really feel content, you need all of those. So I think what the study is actually sort of implying is that the first two pillars come from the third pillar. So interestingly... I have started thinking more about this after we started the podcast. And I started thinking, you know, people start with career or, you know, start with, you know, significant other relationship or, you know, start with trying to find meaning in life. You know, you see a lot of gurus on the internet, like trying to find your purpose. Mm. And then I started thinking about my own career and I thought, you know, I think a lot of the reasons I've even been successful is because I have good, healthy relationships. And it's not like, Oh, I am trying to pigeonhole those or network or whatever. I think it's my core at my core. The number one thing that we or both of us, I think the number one thing that we've done well in life is build these healthy relationships organically and all the other successes. And even my peace of mind, finding purpose, I'm finding purpose now through this podcast, but I, all, all the other stuff, I don't even think I would have been able to find those things if I didn't have this, if I didn't have this really healthy core of, of quality friendships. I mean, people who probably have a good network of friendships show up at the office and fucking crush it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think that's the other thing. It's the other way around. I think, I think the cause and effect has been backwards for a lot of people. Right. I think they thought if I do these things, I will then have good friendships. Mm -hmm. But I think the exact opposite is actually true. I think if you have good friendships, you will have all these other blessings in all these other phases of your life. That's kind of why we have stumbled upon many of what we would call sort of a, our prototypical listener, which is this bucket of married, successful men, good job, good family, and kids, no friends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They kind of went reverse, like you just said. And it's not, and again, it goes back to, if, you know, I don't know, I think we have, I think that's probably like 70% of our listeners and we have a lot of, you know, female listeners too, who may also fall into that same bucket. Yeah. But I think, again, we go back to this thing that a lot of them didn't necessarily never focus on this stuff. It's just that they had this group of friends and they'd never associated that with the cause of all of your future success. 
and all your food, not just success, but happiness. They never associated that part with happiness. They said, I will chase finding a crush it at my job, finding the right partner, finding the right spouse. And therefore I will end up happy. And they're not. Yeah. And now they're not. And they're like trying to piece it together. Like what went wrong? Am I in the wrong job or am I in the wrong with, with the wrong person? It's like, no, no, you've just neglected actually maybe the root of all happiness. And on that note, something I wanted to mention is the converse, which we haven't talked about that much in the pod so far is loneliness. Because they also talk about in the study that loneliness actually has a physical effect on the body. Uh, you're more sensitive to pain, uh, suppresses the immune system, very important now, diminishes brain function, worse sleep. Uh, loneliness raises a person's odds of death by 26%. And lastly, this was blew my mind. Loneliness is about equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Wow. Chronic loneliness. Yeah. I always think, and this is anecdotal, but you see these people that are in our industry that have these friends like, you know, Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner who mm. lived to like late nineties, you know, it just, I, I don't know. You, you, I always, am just like, I think it's these, these tight relationships that are literally keeping them alive. And now you're backing that up with science. And conversely, I just know a lot of people that passed on early that didn't have a lot of friends. Well, I'm sure you know, and have heard of like the married couple, one passes away and then the the right. Next person just passed away. Died of a broken heart. Right. Or maybe it's like died because he didn't have any buddies around to right. hang out with. Yeah. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah. I mean, you know, we always talk about like, take your buddies out. If they get divorced, throw a divorce party. Yeah. Like, is there an equivalent of like when in old age, yeah. your significant other dies, like death keep party? Keep them alive. Death yeah. party. Keep this, yeah. keep this person alive. Yeah. Widow party. Yeah. Widow party. Just show them the stats. 26% of people live longer. Yeah. Let's keep him alive. I also was going to say- you know, the study is coming out on the heels of three years where people were isolated. Yeah. And I don't want to say we were lied to. It was the vaccine. Yeah. And I, don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to say we were lied to yeah. or any of that stuff. I don't want to yeah. get into any of that. Yeah, yeah. But I do want to say that we, if we had agreed three years ago, if we were all in agreement that this study is right, mm -hmm. if the public, if the entire country said, we know for a fact that the number one the most important thing in your life for happiness is relationships. Right. We would have done this all differently the last three years. I suppose the calculus also has to be like, well, if there's five of us buddies could get together during the pandemic, that would be better for our relationship health. But then we all maybe get COVID and die. Right. So we had to figure that out in the first year. Some people organically had these pod friendship oh, things, yeah. which I think was smart. Yeah. Right. I think there were groups of people that did that. The other thing, you know, we got on our Zoom friendships, which I think some people figured out, like, I still yeah. need this. Remember, we were doing a Friday Zoom with all of our high school. I buddies. reconnected with some old people. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did that with some law school friends, yeah. too. So I think there, you know, when faced with these challenges, people did realize like, oh, man, I'm really lonely. I need to connect with my friends. But I don't think they understood or still don't understand en masse that. This is science, the yeah. science of friendship. Yeah. This is not just like, hey, it would be cool if I had a, a couple more buddies. It would be nice. It's not, it's not a luxury. Yeah. It's a necessity. So I think one thing we could talk about is sort of uh, what we could, how we could use this information. So all these articles also talk about this term, which we haven't used before, and I think we're going to love, which is social fitness. 
Okay, so we have physical fitness, we're working out, we're eating right. We have mental fitness, we're in therapy. Uh, but social fitness, which is like the equivalent of like taking your blood pressure, but for your relationships. So what are the metrics? So one of the articles talks about drawing up your social universe, which is basically what your relationships are. And they suggest like once a year, New Year's, birthday, whatever, you take a moment, maybe you don't have to write it out, but you could just think about, here's the close friends, here's the people I need to connect with. Yeah, I was going to say, this is a huge, as Kira would say, hack slash tip. Hack slash tip. So here's my tip slash hack for doing social universe. One of our pillars of the podcast, we say, always celebrate your birthday. Okay, right? We're going to hit it over the head. People don't like to, some people don't like to celebrate your birthday. You gain nothing from that. Use it as an excuse to reach out. So what I do, and again, this is a little bit an outlier because we like to do a bigger birthday. I actually have a little spreadsheet. It's not, not going to surprise you. And I list my friends out. And I'll say, like, these are who I want to invite to the birthday. Here's the maybes. And I got to see this list. I'll, I'll, I'll show it to you. Is it I'll, ranked? It's not ranked. It's not ranked. But it comes out in the order I thought of them. Mm-hmm. So I go, Ritter, blah, blah, blah. There is a mental ranking, actually. I agree. When, oh, when sure. I'm, when I'm doing party, like, on my, I do it on my phone notes. Yeah. Because I'm not as, as organized as you. But I agree. There is some sort of ranking. There's an internal ranking, and the way it comes out is the way you type it. And then in typical K-Row fashion, I will keep track of who said they're coming and then who actually came. And then for the birthday of the next year, I start a new tab. I copy it over, and I see, oh, like, these two people kind of fell off. These kind of people came on, and I have a little inventory. That's a little too much. Fair. I think that's, look, that's, I think that if you're like K-Row and you do that, <laughs> yeah. I would say my hack slash tip, just the tips, is what we just came up with that I didn't even know was a thing. A yearly inventory of your friendships, your universe of friendship. That's what- Right, no, but I'm saying just doing that is a huge life hack. I just, I just realized that for myself. Like, I've never even done that. Like, I don't even think, you, have you ever actually, like, I see what you're saying. You've made a list every birthday, but I think what they're saying is a more universal, holistic view of your friendships. Like, the way that a lot of people, December 31st or January 2nd are like- I got to go to the gym, get that first free training session, mm-hmm. you know, the, the BMI reader. Like, maybe we need to be the social fitness coaches. But how is that different than what I'm saying? Well, you're just saying that you're listing them out. Right. But I think it's more like take a holistic view of what your entire friendship universe looks like. I think I was sort of saying that in the process of doing that yeah. implicitly, you're like, oh, I haven't talked to Jim in a while. Oh, wow. I haven't seen him since last year. And you kind of do it automatically. Yeah. I think I'm, I think I'm thinking as it just visually different. I think I'm seeing it as a tree okay. diagram, or like a circle. And you're seeing it as like list. Got it. I'm, I'm an Excel guy. For right. But I think when you look at your Google computer on mm-hmm. your search, mm-hmm. you probably go list view as opposed to like the picture view. What's picture view? You know, where you can like see the documents. On, well, I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. No, I'm not a visual learner. I need right. lists. Yeah. I need lists. Yeah. Um, one other interesting thing about the study, and this is very important, I know you're going to appreciate this, is they say having the relationships is good, but you need to work on your relationships. Well, this is another thing that we've been emphasizing on this podcast is it takes work, but it also doesn't take that much work. Right. That's the best part about friendship is it's not like going to the gym. If you want to get a six pack, you have to 
not eat, you know, do the crazy Cairo diet and consistently work at it. And the second you stop, you fall apart. With friendship, it's like little things go so far. And that's why we, every week we try to give you just a little bit. And if you follow these things, if you just send a text, you get on a text chain, you've now activated that friendship. I was going to say, we haven't talked about this since the beginning of the pod many episodes ago. Guys, take this moment. If you're listening to the pod right now, send a text to a friend you haven't talked to in a minute. And text or message us because I want to hear back from you guys on a regular basis. We want to establish more consistent communication. Like I, I know you guys like respond with what you liked about the pod or things that you thought were funny, but I want to know that you guys are doing this. And I love when my friends say, Oh, you know, I actually texted somebody. We love to hear from all of our listeners. Like who did you text? What happened? Literally just say, Hey, been a minute. I like that one. Been a or minute. we talked about it. Uh, just a tip. Send a funny old photo. Yeah. And if it feels easier, do it to a group. If it feels easier right. than just reaching out to one person, because I know sometimes that can feel daunting for whatever reason. Yeah. So the last thing I'll say about the study, because um, I actually thought it was very, I got actually a little emotional reading it. So it started in 1938. They were in college. So I think the, the first generation is d dying off or maybe they're very old, the people who are left. You would be 85. The old, well, no, you would have been, that's 85 years ago. So if there's anybody alive. You were, you were born in 1918. So yeah, you're, they're probably all passed away, right. maybe one or two. But they've been studying them this yeah. whole time. They, the the office of the study said, never too late. They said people made these friendships in their 60s, 70s, 80s. And that was the thing some of the older people in the study said, like, it's never too late to start a new relationship. Should we take a listener question? Yeah. Asking for a friend. All right, guys, if you have any questions, please send them to us. Man of the Year podcast on socials. You can find me and Matt online. Very easy. We will anonymize them, so don't worry about that. What do we got? So this was an interesting one. Um, we've had a lot of people talking about moving to new cities. I think that is something that causes people fear. They're starting over, trying to make new friends in a new city feels very daunting. But this one kind of was the opposite, which mm. was kind of funny. I was like, oh my God, that's, that's kind of hilarious. So this person said they were, they moved into what they called a, a starter home and, um, they don't think they're going to be there for more than two years. Mm -hmm. And they think they're moving to their permanent home where they want to have a family and everything in two years. So they said where they live now is not where they're going to be permanently. Got they're it. only going to be there for two years or less. And they're not sure they really want to invest in friendships there. So they wanted to know whether it was worth it. Very subjective, but I'd love to get your take. Great question. Great Yeah. Question. Do you think it makes any difference if it's like, it's in LA, but opposite sides of the city, or if it's like we're in Phoenix and we're moving to Chicago? Do you think that makes a difference? I mean, yeah, definitely. If you're in the same city, but I do think, you know, we act like we see people that are not close to us, but we don't really that often. You mean... Proximity. Yeah, proximity. I do think proximity matters, but obviously there's a sliding scale. Like if it's total, but it sounded like you were going to be in the same state. I think two years is a long time and it doesn't take that much effort. And the good will, the good mental and physical health you have from these new relationships is well worth it. What's funny about it is I think this is something none of us talk about or openly admit. A lot of us think this way. Not just about friendship, but just about things we put off. We're like, well, I'm only going to be here 
for so long. So mm. I'm not going to do this or, you know, in, in six months, I'm going to be there and then I'll start this thing. Right. It's like, oh, I'm, I can't, you know, like, oh, I can't work out now because I've got a surgery. Coming. I'll start it then something like that. Right. And I think friendship is in that same bucket of like, it feels easier to procrastinate. Well, I mean, the argument here would be, this is something that's not going to pay off. So what's the point? Right. But again, we go back to the payoff on a day-to-day -day level is your satisfaction. You're basically saying I'm willing to sacrifice my personal satisfaction because it's not worth investing in. But I think friendship, if you get a good feeling about somebody and you connect with somebody, you have no idea where you both may end up in right. life. You have no idea where it's going to take you. And I don't think you should really view friendship that way. Because if you did, you probably wouldn't make friends in high school or college. You just be like, Hey, <laughs> I'm only going to be in college for four years. What if you're going to another state after you're just going to not like, what if you went to school in Oregon, like producer Theo and yeah. you ended up in LA, right? Would you have just been like, Hey Theo, would you be like, ah, you know what? I'm not going to make any friends. Did you do that? No, I made tons of friends in college. You kidding me? Yeah, of course. He's, he's no friends yeah. from college. I mean, that's like the equivalent of getting an MBA and being like, it's only two years. So I'm not going to meet anybody. Right. So I, I just think the thought process is a little bit, Again, it goes back to like, what do you have to gain by that attitude? Mm. What you have to gain, you think what you think you have to gain is, is that you're making your life easier, right? Uh, theoretically, right? The argument is you think you're making your life easier. You don't want to put effort into something that's not going to pay off. But in fact, you're making your life harder if you're making the decision to spend the next two years not investing in relationships. Also, friends in the neighborhood, in the community are important. What if you need a babysitter? What if you yeah. need, there's an emergency? Right. And so I think it's not to, not to, um, not to attack the listener Yeah. because I do think secretly a lot of us feel this way yeah. at times in life. But I just want to say, I think you're coming at it from a little bit of a, you know, just try and come at it from a little bit of a different perspective. And you'll see that just the bigger question is, is it worth your mental health sacrifice of two years to not invest in friendship building. Yeah. Love that. Great question. Please keep sending the questions in. That was asking for a friend. Asking for a friend. Matt, what did we learn today? We learned that we are geniuses. Well, we learned that. Yeah, we knew that. I mean, yes. We knew that. We knew that a long time ago. Uh, you know, listen, we learned that we surprised ourselves. We didn't know this. Right. We learned that that's the most important thing, the most important thing maybe in, in your life is friendship. We learned the concept of social fitness, which we're going to talk about going forward, which is checking your mental fitness, your physical fitness, but also your relationship fitness. Like mm. what are your friendships like? How can you activate them? How can you improve them? And we also were joking about the, we, we love Harvard grads, Dartmouth grads, all of them. We just like Penn better. <laughs> All right, guys, that's our show. If you haven't written a review, please write us a review on Apple Podcasts. And remember, be good to yourself and be good to your friends. Love, Love you, buddy. buddy. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba -ba. 
Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. If you travel, you know how to pull off a perfect getaway. You know after you enroll with your Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card, you get up to $10 back monthly on U.S. rideshare purchases with select providers, like a car to the airport. You know which remote retreats have the best herbal baths and where the Wi-Fi password is rarely used because you're the escape artist. It's why you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card member. If you travel, you know. Terms apply. Purchases must be on card. Visit go.amex slash you know. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.